Frederick Democrats podcast, a production of the Frederick County Democratic Central Committee. I'm your host, Josh Kramer, and joining me today is Elizabeth Embry, who is running for lieutenant governor with uh, Rashern Baker, who's running for governor. Elizabeth, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast today. I'm, I'm thrilled, and thank you for having me. The first question that I wanted to ask is really just a chance for you to talk a little bit about yourself. People in Frederick County have been getting to know you and, and Rashern uh, a bit over the, the past several months. But um, for those who are still getting to know you, could you just talk a little bit about yourself and your background? Absolutely. I was born and raised in Baltimore City and have lived there as an adult. I've spent my career in public service. I have worked in uh, affordable housing. I've also spent a large chunk of my time uh, working criminal justice. So I was a prosecutor, a deputy state's attorney in the city. And uh, most recently, I ran the criminal division for Brian Frosch. And we were responsible for statewide investigations and prosecutions of things like uh, healthcare fraud, um, but also we created an organized crime unit to do prison corruption, gang cases, um, human trafficking kinds of cases across the state, environmental crimes, and crimes um, involving victims who are vulnerable adults. Let's assume you you win the primary, you get elected, uh, you move Hogan out, and yeah. uh, <laughs> what, what are going to be the, the top priorities for your campaign? Well, the, the, the absolute number one priority, and this is true for Rashern's time as county executive, is education. And that's not just making sure we're you know, following the Kerwin Commission recommendations on funding, but it also means that it's a top priority in policy and of our administration. Um, you know, we have fallen, we have been falling steadily from first place to sixth. And part of that is because other states like Massachusetts have said it's when we say a top priority in Massachusetts, we mean every um, you know available dollar. Our smart you know smartest minds are going to be thinking about how to improve our system, and Maryland needs to do the same. So um, we have a really ambitious education plan, and that will be something we spend a lot of time working on. But also. Uh, you know, transportation, Maryland has fallen really far behind. We were, even before Hogan became governor, I think, you know, we, we had fallen behind as a state um, in terms of having a, a comprehensive and uh, coherent and smart statewide transportation system. So we'll be spending a lot of time making sure we're making the investments now, um, both long-term and short-term, to have a comprehensive plan for the state of Maryland that, you know, is reflective of where we should be. I want to come back to something you said there, but uh, sure. one one other question though I want to ask before I get into going back to that is uh, in terms of uh, what inspired you to to run to join this ticket, and uh, ultimately, I mean, what what is it that that you and Rashern hope to accomplish? You talked about some of your top priorities, but when you look back, say after four maybe eight years of being in office. Um, what are the things that you see now that are saying, this is why I'm running and what, what we want to do? So the reason I'm running is because I got to know Rashern Baker and I had no thought or um, nothing on my horizon of running for statewide office. But when Rashern Baker reached out, I had long admired him. I have been a big fan from Baltimore City because a lot of the things that I think are important for the city and honestly, for the rest of the state, uh, he's been accomplishing in Prince George's County. So it was really the thought that I might be able to help him and then work with him in office to accomplish um, accomplish some of the things we talked about, plus so much more. I, I guess I would say, you know, as a general principle, Maryland is the richest state in the richest country, um, you know, arguably in the history of the world. And we should be number one. We should be number one in education. We should have the best transportation system. We should have the cleanest energy use, the cleanest environment. Um, we should be leading the way in innovation taking advantage of our proximity to the federal government, um, to our, you know, bases like Fort Detrick, um, and leveraging our, you know, a relatively highly educated population. And so it's, it's, 
it's restoring some of that excellence and even exceeding um, what we've achieved in the past. I think we've accepted um, we've accepted a slide backwards, and that's just not okay. And the final thing I want to say, and having come from an attorney general's office that is on the front lines of this fight, you know, we have a we have a president who is attacking certainly the rule of law, but also I would argue the soul of this country. And it's not okay to be on the sidelines of that fight. We need a governor who's partnering with our attorney general, partnering with other states, and really, you know, fighting back and protecting Maryland. One of the things you were talking about in your top priorities was on transportation. And uh, Governor Hogan had talked about wanting to expand uh, 270. A lot of people in Frederick County take 270 because they work in either Montgomery County or D.C. or Northern Virginia. Um, wh- what are your thoughts in, in regards to how to deal with traffic um, on highways like 270? Well, I would say certainly there are highway projects that need to be done that are that are rational and sensible and you know essential to the futures of the communities they serve. But I would say, as a general principle, um, how we fundamentally differ from differ from Governor Hogan is that we believe that there need to be public transit solutions for Maryland. That that is ultimately the way forward. That you cannot keep building highway lanes and adding you know just adding pavement to make this the state work. We have to have smart public transit. So it's a shifting, a fundamental shifting of priorities around, um, you know, public transit. And also our, our transportation plan, which I'm really proud of, you know, talks about the entire universe of options so that in localities where, you know, we're not going to build a subway or, you know, a light rail, but we might need really smart ride sharing programs or we might need on-demand, um, you know, buses or rapid transit. So it's having it's having a comprehensive and coherent theory for the entire state. And the other priority you had spoken of was with education, and uh, you noted that Maryland has dropped. We were the the first in the nation for, what, five, six years or something, and and now we've dropped to uh, sixth place. I think it is. Uh, yes. and, and so what, how, you, you talked a little bit about things we can do for, for education, but um, I'd ask you to go a little bit further sure. into that. Like, what are some of the things that, you know, because uh, you're familiar with, with things happening in Baltimore City, but also out in places like uh, Western Maryland and so forth. You know, there, um, I, I think some people have the mentality that it's not, um, it's not apples to apples uh, based on um, the, the quality of education you get. So how can we make sure that regardless of what school you go to, that you get a high quality education? Absolutely. And I am a graduate of the Baltimore City Public Schools. I went uh, K through 12 through the public school system, as did all my family. Um, so I am intimately aware of both the the strengths and the challenges faced in Baltimore City, and I've been learning um, as I travel across the state the strengths and challenges in every jurisdiction. So one thing is making sure that the state is a true partner to every jurisdiction. There's not one size fits all, but we need to be responsive to and supporting what is working in every county and every school system, um, but also lending resources, support, best practices um, where there are gaps. I would also say we have to strengthen our uh our pipeline of teachers and principals. And if I've learned nothing in Baltimore City, it's that the most the greatest predictor of the strength of a school is the strength of its principal. A principal can attract and retain good teachers. A principal can be a smarter budgeter of you know the resources they have. A good principal, especially if you have a community school model, can work with other resources outside of the school to make sure that students are you know coming into the classroom ready to actually you know be taught. 
so we talk a lot about investing in teachers and how to how to both train teachers in Maryland and support teachers, make them you know give them clear pathways to career advancement, and also support uh, principals so that we're giving them sufficient autonomy and resources to do what they need to do. And I mentioned the community school model, which I'm a really big fan of, as is Rashern. And in fact, Rashern's success in Prince George's County in strengthening uh, some of the most hardest hit and most struggling neighborhoods was understanding that you know the school can be at the center of a community but it can't sit there alone it can't be an island and the community school model um, supports schools with with all the resources they need to be successful if you know for instance if children aren't getting to school because their parents are being evicted or um, you know children have such severe health problems that they're not able to learn a community school model says the school really can be the heart of a community but we need to support it and so here we are. It's Friday, and the primary is on Tuesday. So in these last few days, what are things that people who are supporting your campaign or would like to support your campaign, what are some things that they can do in this final push? What a wonderful question. Thank you. Um, I would say the most important thing, of course, is to vote, but, but it's to tell your friends and neighbors. There are still undecided voters, many undecided voters, and they're looking to um, you know, they're the people that they trust to give them advice and their thoughts on who to vote for. So we hope you support our ticket, and if you do, we hope you tell people. Um, that would be the most important thing. We also, of course, need volunteers, and so um, you can uh, reach out to us for SchoenBaker.com, allows you to sign up to volunteer, if you want to donate, whatever you want. We'd love your time um, on Election Day or even before, and we'd love you to celebrate with us, hopefully, on Tuesday night, so we can also give you details about that. But thank you again. Elizabeth Embry, thank you so much for uh, taking time out today. I know it's a very busy campaign schedule right now, and I really appreciate you taking time to uh, talk to the voters in Frederick County. Thank you so much for having me. And just want to let everybody know, make sure you go to the Frederick Democrats website, www.frederickdemocrats.org, and there you can see our calendar of events. It's obviously going to be a very busy year, uh, and there's lots of stuff to do. Uh, we always need volunteers, so please consider getting involved. Uh, we have several clubs around the county you can get involved with, like the United Democrats of Frederick County, the Women's Democratic League, the North County Democrats, the South County Democrats, and the Young Democrats of Frederick County. Um, also, uh, please sign up for Club Blue. Uh, we're asking for small recurring donations of $10 a month. This money will go to help promote the party and get candidates elected here in Frederick County. Uh, so thanks so much for listening. The music for this podcast was written performed by David Fitzwater.